You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guidepost. Tony here, and uh, we are sorry because we kind of haven't been doing a lot of podcasts recently because we've been running around busy as all heck. Um, I also contracted the Black Plague um, while I was in D.C. Uh, I never, I never want to get that again. Um, the flu is real; it is still a thing. And I would suggest that everyone avoid it uh, as much as possible during the holiday season because it, it knocked me for a flipping loop. But I have I am here, risen from uh, my horizontal position on my bed for about a week. Um, the good news is I lost twelve pounds, which was sorely needed. Um, the bad news is. I was delusional and I think my wife took my phone from me so I wouldn't text anyone because God knows what I was saying. Um, we're here today to talk about uh, Addendum 2 because uh, it is we're, we're recording this on the 18th. We're going to try to turn and burn this bad boy as fast as possible, get it out to you all on the 19th. But this is a reminder to get your email comments in this podcast will uh come out we will have links to our letter um and encourage all of y'all to send your comments to comments at asmfs asmfc.org um with the subject line of addendum two i believe um but we'll have uh we'll have all that information up on the website and and you know make make sure um make sure that everyone, you know, does this last final push before the holidays. So joining me today is our, our main board member, uh, Kyle Schaefer. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Tony. Great to chat with you, man. Good chat with you too. Uh, it was wonderful to see you in DC. I'm glad you did not contract the plague when you were there. I'm surprised you didn't. Um, but God bless you that you didn't because nobody needed that. Yeah, I got out. I got out scot free. I, <laughs> so luckily, because I, I, I'm down back down in my business in the Bahamas, and I would have uh, probably wiped out the entire island down here with that. So I'm glad I didn't bring it. <laughs> yeah, man, you got. Um, are you are you coming home, or are you going to spend Christmas down there? Yeah, I'll be back December 22nd. We'll close up shop, and everybody will take a good good rest. So it'll be good to be back in Maine and uh, soak in some cold weather. So how how uh, how are things going down in the Bahamas, man? Are you are you totally booked for 2024, or you still got a little couple little gaps in there? We got a couple little holes this season. Um, it feels like a lot of a lot of folks across the travel world are having to work harder. Um, you know, just things have slowed a little bit after that COVID rush. Everybody getting back out to travel like crazy, but we're in good shape. We got a, we got a couple spots open. But well, wait, uh, tell tell everyone then look up. You know, everyone should go to Soul. <laughs> everyone go to Soulfly Outfitters. Who's listening to this? Kyle has a a little slice of heaven down in the Berry Islands. 
Um, you have obviously bonefish, but you have a you have a permit fishery that y'all are learning more about every day. But people, it's it's not it's not beyond expectations to go down there and and have some really great shots at some permit, right? Absolutely. I think that's one of my favorite things about the fishery, especially in the warmer months. We've got some we got some great permit fishing. They're here year round, but uh kind of fall and, and spring are some prime time and we focus a lot on it. Um, and then y'all do some really crazy cool stuff that's like a little bit a little bit out of out of the ordinary. Like you have a mutton snapper fishery that you can get them up on the flats and throw like poppers to, right? And it's kind of kind of crazy so it's not just like your average bonefish lodge like y'all have y'all have a lot of craziness going on all right to tell tell everyone a little bit about that let's get these last couple of weeks booked for kyle man yeah right <laughs> well yeah i mean i think a lot of people think so tra- t- almost a little bit too traditionally about the bahamian flats you know um bonefisher they're the bread and butter they're what a lot of people come down here for but there are so many other species that are um that are either spending time in the flat or they're you know they're they're right off the edge of the flat so we chase a lot of mutton snapper we chase a lot of jacks horse side jacks and um you know it helps helps being a, a new englander with some of our tactics we use up there a lot of bait and switch stuff so bait and switch opens up a ton of cool fishing down here throwing hookless plugs getting fish fired up sneak the fly in um so we try and do some and any of that non-traditional stuff gives the bonefish a break which is good for those fish everybody's everybody's you know gunning for bonefish whether you're a shark or an osprey or a or an angler with a fly rod in your hand so we try and spread the pressure out that helps quite a bit yeah i mean and that's just that's just cool too like to know that if you're spending four or five days down there, you know, you can get humiliated by a permit, get your <laughs> ego back and catch a couple of chunky bonefish. And then somewhere in the middle be like, Hey, you know what? Weather looks good. Let's, let's go try to pop and swap a 10 pound mutton snapper on the flats. I mean, that's, that's about as cool as it gets really, you know, to that's, that's very Cosmoloto, you know what I mean? But you don't have yeah. to fly across the world to get there. Right, right, for sure. And the Bahamas has got it, you know, and and so we have, we have a ton of fun with that stuff. So that's awesome. So um, if that piqued anyone's interest, you know, go over to uh, Soulfly Lodge and and take a look at um, take a look at what Kyle and his wife are cooking up. Um, beautiful accommodations, you know, incredible, incredible fishery, and just enough to kind of test your skill and patience and. And then you can kind of come back and catch some easy fish so your ego isn't too severely bruised and uh, and go back go back to the states victorious and rejuvenated. So um, so you know, Kyle, we're we're here to talk about stripers, which is your summertime your summertime deal. Um, and what was you know what was your guiding like this summer in Maine? What did what did you see? Was there any any highlights any concerns you know with the state of stripers you're you're definitely one of our most engaged board members you know you and i talk constantly about the state of the fishery and how did how did that manifest itself in maine this year or in 2023 rather i mean i think this this past summer seemed like one of the more stark differences year over year you know comparing last summer with the previous summer um 
you know, we really had a hard time finding different size classes. Um, my conversations to my clients, prepping them ahead of time was a lot different. Obviously abundance is, is what, um, what's important to me and, and to my clients. And we didn't have that abundance of, of different size classes. We did as kind of our, um, you know, it's kind of our saving grace. We had, we had a big, a big pod of, of big bass that stuck around with us for a bit that we got to play with. But the conversation with my, my, my pre-trip expectations was we're either going to work our asses off for a 20 to 30 inch bass. We'll be hopeful to get some interactions. We'll probably find a couple on the flats. So you better, better feed the ones you see. Um, or we're going to run into some big fish and maybe catch the biggest bass of your life. Um, so I had just a, such an interesting dichotomy where previously it was those, you know, 18 to 30 inch bass that, um, you know, were accessible for a lot of people. People would go out, you'd talk to people at the boat ramp and they went out, they stumbled across fish. Um, most of the weekend warriors I'd run into didn't find anything. Um, even, you know, bait anglers fishing their, their go-to spots. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd run programs for myself that were, that were trusted. And, uh, um, this past season, they just didn't pan out. So I, you know, I had to try a lot of different stuff and then I would take advantage of some new opportunities that have come to us in the past couple of years, which is very abnormal for us to have, um, you know, kind of this big bass fishing that we had, um, kind of near shore, which was honestly, it was a lot of fun, but it was like, every time we caught one of those big fish, it was with a huge asterisk of like, this is where the biomass is. Like we leave this, we're not going to stumble across good fishing on a bunch of different methods. So it was, uh, clients were into it. I had more of the best days of my life and plenty of skunks, um, in between as well this season. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's true of a lot of areas. Like you, you know, um, it's almost like everyone knew where the fish were. If there were if there were fish around, there was no hiding it. There was no like let's slide off to this cool little spot. We won't see anyone else. You know, every everyone knew where they were. And that's a you know, that's an ominous sign because it just shows that the fish are super concentrated and there's not a lot of them. And when there's a lot of fish, they spread out. I think I think one of the scariest things that I saw this year in the Chesapeake and you know you're a you're a native Chesapeake person was just the amount of bait that was out there and the lack of fish that was on it. You know there was so much bait this year. I mean we had you know we not only keep um young of the year numbers for striped bass but maryland dnr keeps young of the year for you know gosh like 10 different species and um and our young of the year bay anchovy was like the highest since like oh my gosh so young of the year bay anchovy was the highest since like the 1970s young of the year silver sides were the highest since like early 2000s and young of the year menhaden were the highest 
since I think like the late nineties and, and, you know, okay, maybe, maybe those spawning conditions that brought the larva in, maybe that, you know, was really good for all of those species. And that was a, that was a factor, but I think another factor was there was nothing to eat them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just straight up terrifying. Yeah. Cause Kyle, you know, I mean, growing up on the Bay come September, you can't go anywhere and not see a school of 12 inch stripers under turns eating two inch Bay anchovies. Right. I mean, that's like, mm -hmm. you may pass 10 to 20 of those schools on your way to find better fish. And there was just none of that. Yeah. yeah. Not you know, it's interesting too. I mean, like that, that, uh, that anecdote brings me to like, I had so many moments where we're, we're changing flies. We're, we're like, man, these fish are so keyed in on, uh, you know, on exactly what this bait is. And I'd get on the platform and I'd be looking at these schools of bait. I'm like, we're not catching these fish. Cause there's like eight schoolies harassing this, this school of bait, you know, or before it's like, you know, put a cast anywhere from nine to 12 and, and, and you're on. And we're like a lot of those, a lot of those situations, we just, we weren't feeding fish because there were so few, um, you know, schoolie sized bass on, on the bait that we, that we had that, you know, it was hard to outcompete the, you know, the real deal. Um, and just didn't have the biomass. Um, but it was interesting. I haven't seen a, that like that before. Um, so seeing the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where you spend enough time on the water and it starts to click and you start to kind of look around and you're like, man, I don't, this, this ain't, this ain't good. Um, you know, it's just, it's almost like it just changes slowly year after year. And then one year it just kind of slaps you in the face that like, huh, you know, I wonder, I wonder if we finally done it. Um, so, you know, we're, we're here to talk about addendum to, I think, you know, you and I have had just exhaustive conversations about, you know, the fact that this is probably not enough um probably not not going to get it done the whole way but it's really important that people comment on this action because you know it's man it's shocking like y you have these you're you're having these hearings over the holidays everyone's crunched for time you're bouncing back and forth between Maine and the Bahamas everyone's got something going on, you know, mad rush to get stuff done. And they're having in-person meetings in Long Island in New York on a Monday or a Wednesday night or, you know, and, and at least Maine, God love them, had a, had a hybrid meeting and, and some of the areas did have hybrid meetings, but, you know, it's kind of, kind of makes you wonder a little bit like, with the technology that we have, why wouldn't everyone have a hybrid meeting? Like, wouldn't you want to hear from as many people as possible? And this, this in-person stuff over the holidays, like there's not a lot of people that can make that. So it's really important that 
for all those people who were, you know, probably like 70 or 80% of the world and just could not drive somewhere on a weeknight at 6 p.m. and bumper to bumper traffic and go 10 miles in two hours. Um, it's important that they send their comments in. Again, that's comments at asmfc.org. And, um, you know, it's this is probably, Kyle, one of the easiest things to comment on because it's like the land of bees. You know, um, the ocean option is B, one fish of 28 to 31 um, for all modes. Chesapeake Bay is B1. That's kind of like the only difference, and that's one fish 19 to 23 all modes. Um, you know, they kind of have a couple of silly things in there. You know, it, they have the four higher management, which we're going to talk about a little bit more, but you know, that's option B, but that's only if mode split is selected. Um, and we're completely opposed to mode split. And then they have this like recreational filleting at sea where option B is you have to keep the rack of the fish if you want to fillet it. And I mean, how are you going to tell something's in the slot if you don't have the rack? Like, right. I mean, that's kind of common sense. And there's even some states that explicitly say that you cannot fillet. I think Maine's one of them, that you cannot fillet at sea and that right. fish has to be intact when you hit the dock mm -hmm. if you choose to keep one. Um and then, and then the final thing, the final two are, uh, you know, a maximum of a 14.5% reduction in the ocean. That's option B for commercial quota. And then the response to the stock assessment option B, which is, um, which is we're going to allow for board action. So they get this done quickly. So, you know, all of this is pretty straightforward. And I, and I think that there's, a lot of support across the board, understanding that this stuff's only going to be in place probably until October of 2024 when we get the update on that stock assessment. But, you know, the, what do you like as a guide? So, you, you know, you run your charter business in Maine, you have a lodge in the Bahamas, you're starting to investigate other areas for striped bass outside of Maine, um, kind of exploratory stuff. Am I safe saying that or am I letting the cat out no, of the that's bag? Okay. That's for, sure. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to say where, but you're, you know, you're, you're kind of like, you've got the adventurous spirit. So you're <laughs> always kind of looking for the latest and the greatest. Um, so you're, you know, you, there's a potential in the next couple of years that you could have, a striped bass lodge, a main guiding thing, a, a, a Bahama lodge, you know, you're kind of making your way in this world. Um, what do you think about the mode splits as, as you know, I'm going to try to just paint this picture that you got, you got your finger in all these fisheries and what, you know, as, as, as someone whose life is a hundred percent reliant on the health of multiple fisheries, where does this mode split thing hit you? Yeah, I mean, I I am not wild about mode split, you know. I mean, not even remotely. 
Um, I feel like once you're starting to talk about mode split, you're or you're you're already in a bad position because now we're talking about how do we take a pie that has been has been ravaged, and now how do we take these last remaining pieces and um, kind of hand it out to winners and losers? And you're going to leave a lot of people behind. And I think it, you just it starts getting messy, and you're starting to. Um, you know, you you have you have a lot of people competing for these last pieces, and like you get to that point when you've already let things slide to a position where people don't have access to the fish. So now we get to that conversation, and I think if we simply can focus on abundance and proactive management, where we're giving access to everybody, you know, or at least allowing these fisheries to flourish enough where when you leave the dock you've got a decent opportunity to intersect with the fish and i think whether it's i love running into people weekend warriors that are they're dumping their boat for you know for a day they might fish 10 days i love hearing about that person because i think that's that's a lot of us. That's a lot of the people that are getting out there on the water. They don't have all the time. It's not their profession. It's not their career. They don't have all summer to be out there honing their craft to, um, to outsmart every fish and know exactly where they are. They need to get out there and to have a healthy enough population to happen across some fish and, um, and make it happen. And in the Bahamas, the beautiful thing of what's what's going on down here is we have so few people fishing, and the way that the fisheries are regulated, there's a ton of fish around. Some people get out here, they say that they've seen the most bonefish they've ever seen anywhere coming across these white sand flats. Whether you catch one or not, it gives you a feeling. You know, you're making casts, you're having an incredible time. Um, some of the places I'm looking further further north outside of the u.s for um for striped bass it's it's very similar these fish are um incredibly abundant so there's um and this is a completely different stock um of fish that are rebounded up in canada and those are fish that people can go out they're seeing them they're catching them they're enjoying interactions with them um and, you know, when even after I fish somebody in Maine, I can remember a client in particular that's that's fished with me for a while. I've got a great relationship. Um, you know, it's definitely a conservation minded angler and, and we got skunked. And it's a lot different than the first year that I fished this this person, um, you know, and, and and they set these t these two days aside um, to look forward to. And, and even having some interactions would would change the change the game but the long story short it's just you know people having some confidence that they're going to be able to have a decent chance of coming across a fish i think is what drives all this for all of us you know don't need to have a hundred fish day but just to be able to have um have something meaningful happen out there you know tony yeah and i think you know kyle you brought up a ton of great points and Guides take recreational anglers out, right? They take recreational anglers out. So why would a recreational angler have a different limit, a different size limit if they go out with you rather than if they go out with themselves? That sounds like your 
complicating things enormously right for not a great reason i mean the the reason why they're doing it is because this 2015 year class is going to be out of the slot and it's going to be harder to kill a fish and they want it to be easier to kill a fish and we should be protecting the 2015 year class not saying that if you're a recreational angler, I mean, I hear a lot of complaints and, I, and it's, I, I look at it as like a teaching moment and they're like, well, why to, why is the charter considered recreation? It should be in the commercial sector because, you know, they're doing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, a lot of people complain about that specifically with party boats, but what it comes down to is it's who they're taking. They're, they're taking recreational anglers mm -hmm. and that's that you look, you can, you can agree with that line of thinking or not, but it doesn't change the fact that charters take recreational anglers fishing. And that's why it goes against the recreational quota. And that's why this mode split thing is so confusing to me because so what you're saying is a recreational angler is if I can afford to go out with a guide, I get rewarded with a different size limit versus if I'm shore bound and I take my kid fishing because I can't afford a charter, but I still want my kid to go fishing and catch a fish that I have a different set of rules that I have to adhere to, even though I'm the same person I bought the same license. I'm fishing the same water. And to me, that, that gets real wonky. I totally agree. I mean, I think it just has to be simply a level playing field. Um, and when we, when we have fish in the water, we we're not having this conversation, you know? Um, and I feel like with proactive management where we don't watch the stock slide for how many years we've been watching it slide, you don't have to get to this point, you know? Um, so I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more whether it's, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, we're all in the same boat here. Um, and I just, I, I just don't think you can with the mode split, you're, you're, you're always going to be leaving somebody out or giving somebody an advantage. And I think a lot of the, yeah, I mean, the people that aren't fortunate enough to be able to get out with a guide or to be in the best, the best place to even, you know, to get out on a, a remote rock in Maine where you know you're going to be around striped bass. Maybe you're, you're landlocked, you're standing on a concrete wall in downtown Boston, and that's your, you know, I just, I want to see all those people have the same opportunity to catch a fish for whatever reason they want to be catching that fish. You know, Kyle, it's weird. I guess, I guess it all comes down to what you just said. You know, there's people who get so emotional about stripers and, I know we do and, and the management and basically the failings of the management. And, you know, a couple of takeaways just from talking with you is I think you're right. We, if the stock was healthy, we we're not having this discussion about picking winners and, you know, the commercial sector in the Chesapeake Bay, not taking reductions and mode splits and all this crazy nonsense. And it's, um, you know, it's really sad that even under these circumstances that people can't all get together and just recognize that like we're in deep 
trouble. And now is not the time to be goofing around um, and picking winners. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I warned Cody that I was going to say this, but I was listening to this podcast a couple of weeks ago and it was a, it was a guy on the podcast and he was talking about short-term thinking versus long-term thinking mm. and in the business that he had. And he, and he used to, he used to run his business in the short term and he kind of switched everything for his family and decided to kind of take a long-term approach. And when he looks back at, and when he looks back at, um, when he looks back at the way he used to do things, he made the comment on the podcast that it was like pissing in your britches to keep warm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Works, works for a little bit. But <laughs> doesn't take long to realize you made a terrible decision. No doubt. Right. Um, so I kind of see this, these mode splits and not making this person take a reduction or that person take a reduction and and ever since I listened to this podcast, I just kind of shake my head and I say, well, they're pissing in their britches to, uh, to keep warm. Yeah. And it ain't going to work for very long. Um, so, you know, folks, it's it's real simple to comment. Kyle, you know, I know you're going to comment um, or urge all the all your people in your network to comment. We'll ask all our listeners to do the same thing, um, please please, we're begging you, you have just a couple of days left, send your email to comments at asmfc.org. Hop on our website for a full explanation and to look at our letter. But essentially, it's all B's straight down the board. The second option is for the Chesapeake, that's B1. That's a 19 to 23 inch slot, all modes. And you know, look, if, if the ocean can live off a three inch slot, the bay can live off a four inch slot. So, um, so, you know, Kyle, I, I hope you're ready for Christmas. I know you've been traveling a lot, but you got a little red haired wild man. <laughs> and I think, I think this is going to be the first time Santa comes to town for your little boy. So I'm sure you and your wife and your mom and everybody else is amazingly stoked for uh for the little man's reaction to uh to what it's going to be like on christmas morning uh the whole asga family wishes you and your family nothing but the best for uh for christmas and the, and the new year and we thank you for giving a little bit of your time to hop on here tonight everyone please we're begging you send those emails in um, we know it was tough to get to the hearings. This is your last chance to kind of voice your opinion. Um, we'll probably do another podcast, you know, before the end of the year, but from ASGA to everyone, uh, merriest of Christmases, happiest of New Year's. Um, we're just going to be the dopes that we are and stand in the middle of the ring and throw haymakers for stripers and redfish and albies and everything else. Uh, just until we can't even pick up our arms anymore. So um, we appreciate all y'all listening. We appreciate your support. Send those comments in and let's make a difference for stripers. And Merry Christmas, Kyle, you and your family, buddy. Thanks, Tony. Happy holidays, everybody, everyone listening. Um, thanks for everything. Great to chat tonight. <laughs>